0: This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media
1: organization, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber, or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Oh! Won't somebody
0: please think of the children! I'm not pleasing, I'm a Princess.
2: You gotta see the baby. When are you gonna see the baby?
1: Family matters. <laughs> So, joining me in the studio today, I'm very lucky to be sitting with Rebecca Robertson and the lovely Georgie Stone, uh, here to talk about a new book about a girl. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Gemma. Thank you for having us. This is a really important read. I'll be honest when I picked it when I picked it up here from Joy because I've got a review copy. I thought, what am I going to learn? I, I kind of know your story. I've been part of the community all, all of my life and, and have been across some of this advocacy work from what I've already seen. And then I was shocked. For me, this read was not only emotional as a parent to be reading it, but it had me sitting on the edge of my seat for things that I knew the outcome of. So that really surprised me. Why am I feeling really anxious reading this book? I know the outcome. I know it's going to be a good outcome. But that's what this book did. It surprised me because it's not only taking a content that I thought I knew... But it's humanised a story that I thought I knew and that surprised me. That was, a, that was a really lovely surprise. Rebecca, what made you get to the point where you said, it's time for me to stop and write this down? Because this isn't five years. This isn't ten years. This is a story that has started 20 years ago for you. Mm.
2: Yeah, there were a couple of things. Firstly, first and foremost, I was coming to the end of the bulk of my responsibilities as a parent my kids were were um teetering on adulthood and i really hadn't had a lot of time to reflect throughout their childhood on the things that had occurred and i think when you read the book you see that it was there were very few moments of hiatus where there wasn't oh, something happening yeah. yeah and and to really reflect and I'm quite a quiet person, actually. I, I do need quiet time to re-energize and take stock and work out where I'm headed next. And I thought for me, it was personally a really important process for me to go through that. But also, we'd done quite a bit of media and a lot of the time it was for a specific bit of advocacy, so around um, family court interventions or safe schools or whatever the message was. And the message would be... Our our story would be directed very closely to what the message needed to be. And there Mm. were parts of our story that were were missed or there wasn't enough nuance about it. And it started to feel like sometimes it felt like no longer our story. So there was also a part of me that was trying to take control back of the, the truth of our story and the, the real impacts that we'd experienced throughout the years. But also, and I was so pleased when you used the word humanise, I wanted to, to humanise families like ours mm-hmm. that, are, that are so often stigmatised and misunderstood and so much misinformation out there in the wider world that I really wanted to have a quiet conversation in that sacred space of a, a book and another person's mind and a lovely cup of tea <laughs> and see if we can't get a little bit further along.
1: I do have to ask, I mean, for me, and I didn't get a chance to do this and I'll probably do this when you leave, when I ask your consent, I want to give you a big hug because mm. I read this and I, I, and I fear, feel felt your tiredness and i felt that weight on your shoulders and it had me concerned for you was it therapeutic sitting down to write this no i didn't think so no. i actually I, yeah. feared it might then start <laughs> no. triggering other things cuz this yeah. is a it's writing is i'm a writer myself and i use writing as therapy as a place to escape but you're not escaping you're throwing no, everything. That, yeah. That's
2: what I kind of thought it might be. So <laughs> I made every rookie mistake you possibly could with writing this book. Yeah, I uh, made every wrong assumption you could <laughs> possibly make. So I, I actually found it really challenging. And I, you know, I thought it's our story. I, you know, I've got the, a memory like an elephant. The kids get me set me straight on dates, but you know, little other little details I remember very well. I wrote the first half of the book. Fine, fine, that was all good. And then I went. I think I'll just write the end of the book. I'll write (laughs) the end of the book because that's what I'm feeling at the moment. I'll do that. But I could not face the six years that we were in the family court system. Yeah, and my. It's dear a publicist no that. it is. Yeah. It is. My beautiful publicist Sophie Ambrose at Penguin was so patient with me because I was really I wasn't I just wasn't writing it. I was, tomorrow I'll write it. I will write, I will begin writing it tomorrow. Anyway, eventually it got to like you've gotta write this. <laughs> and I pulled out from a cupboard in our garage the stacks of court papers and documents and folders from those six years. And I got into bed and I covered the bed with all of these documents and um, started going back over everything. and Which is um, hard. Yeah, it was really hard. You sometimes hard. have
1: to protect yourself from that.
2: Well, I had and to just go full frontal. Yeah. I just had to got work through that. And so I would. I was in my bedroom for about ten hours a day for about a month. Bit over, is that right, Georgie? Mm. Were you making cups a
1: day, Georgie? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Trying to su- support her mm. through it.
1: That was that was very difficult to watch yeah. as well. Mm. Yeah. To yeah. To have to person of that. Yeah. Being your advocate and your brother's advocate this whole time, and now you're like oh, my God, might be my turn to take care of Mum. Yeah. How <laughs> did you really feel was. once you knew this story, Mum was going to sit down and write this? What What did you and your brother think?
0: I, we were both really excited. We, we were really, really excited um, for Mum to write it. But it was interesting. Even though I had lived through everything yeah. that was being, you know, discussed, reading it was really difficult. Yeah. It was really hard to To read the book, especially the the court mm. the court stuff, that was really really hard so, and to read. Yeah. And I and I so I read the first half of the book like in a day, loving it. Got to the court, yeah. and I'm like, I'm going to put it down now. Yeah. And then for two weeks, I didn't read it. Mm. I was yeah. I was dreading going back into that because yeah. it was so it was you know so harrowing living yeah. through it. And Mum's a good writer, so I knew reading it would would just be you know a challenge mm. but fi- finally you know d- did read it um
1: you skip over and you go, okay. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i just wanted to get to the end <laughs>
0: no i'm i'm definitely glad
1: i did and she yeah. and she really she really did an excellent job was there anything you and harry and i i said to you guys off air i fell in love with Harry. <laughs> um, Harry is my spirit animal. <laughs> and, you know, I, the first part we, we hear about your pregnancy with twins and your favourite moccasins and walking down the street and people kind of staring at you mm. and the birth. And, Georgie, you arrived first. And then Harry was... Harry needed to be revived. Mm. And I was tearing up reading reading that. That was re- maybe it's still too fresh from the birth of our child. That was really hard to read. But were there any things that you know you and Harry got up to as kids and you're like, "You know, Mum, that's off topic." Some I don't parts know. that you said, no, nah, veto, Mum. Veto."
0: I mean, we we weren't necessarily naughty children. I think <laughs> I know, I can't I can't really think of anything. I just know I just know we were silly. We were just really silly. Sounded
1: very creative and fun.
0: Yeah. 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 No, so we really had we had kids. great chemistry <laughs> as kids. Yeah. And we still do, I think. Yeah. Um No, I can't think of anything, but I do remember, you know, reading of uh, you know, about the birth and I started crying. Yeah. And then when Harry came downstairs I just gave him a big hug. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm so glad you're alive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Harry's just like, huh? okay. What? <laughs> well, okay, I'm glad you're alive too. <laughs> um, yeah, but <laughs> I think, you know, I love Harry. I love my brother. And he, he really, I, I think he enjoyed reading the book too. Yeah. He's very proud of me. Oh, he yeah. really he is. Animal. He really <laughs> is. Yeah.
1: Georgie, we've seen you over the years and, and, you know, from the stuff that we've seen from the Globe Awards and, and you know, the times that you have to put on that public face and all those times without knowing yourself Rebecca you just kind of look at that and go wow that's really good parenting because kids don't raise themselves um we don't get a manual when our child is born there's a lot of parenting books and this is where I think this is one of those must-have parenting books because I didn't think I was going to be reading a parenting book when I picked this up but for me this is a book about how to be the greatest advocate for your children That's the message I got from reading this book and how to reassure parents that you will know your child better than anyone and you love your child and you will always be the one to find their voice until they find it. Mm. Um, So for me, this is a must read for all parents. What was the first thing you actually sat down in front of that blank screen? What was the first story you wanted to tell? Did you go with the easiest? Clearly, the court was a difficult one. I would have picked some others as really difficult places to start. Mm.
2: Well, I think when I was speaking to Penguin about about doing this book and they said that they would they would love me to or, or love to publish the story and there was some talk at the beginning because I I wasn't a writer, I hadn't written anything before, and they were talking about getting a ghost writer. Okay. And I went, oh, well, okay, um, that's... <laughs> That's fine and I can understand why you're asking me that but can I have a crack? I'll write a chapter and see what you have to say. And so I wrote about the period of time when there was conflict between Georgie's dad and I. Um, Wow, um, really hard parts. uh, Yeah, yeah. But it, it was the beginning of me having to learn to advocate You know, at the beginning, I wasn't courageous. I wasn't, I was very grateful to anyone who would listen or help or show Mm. a little bit of kindness. It took, it took some bad experiences for me to really grow as big as I needed to be for Georgie. Mm. And that period of time covered the death of a dear friend and some other. Experiences that were really about me coming to understand that there were big things afoot in my life, that I was, I was needing to grow as a person in order to deal with them and so when they saw that chapter they said yeah well you're good you can write so (laughs) yeah you are good actually getting me to write (laughs) that was the trick
1: (laughs) it is it is hard to kind of especially if it's not something you've it's a muscle you practice Mm. it just like acting and theater and voice work it is a muscle that you need to practice but you've you've definitely achieved it with this very hefty book I've got in front of me is there some scenes I know when I've when I was, I called them scenes, like their theatre. But I'm reading some of this and knowing the history of yourself and, and Greg, you've got media backgrounds. Now that is both a good and a bad thing because you know this landscape and mm-hmm. what it can do in positive and negative. Was that part of the resistance to keep it that kind of wall and protection at the beginning, to not expose the kids to so much... Publicity. I mean, the Four corner story, it's it's quite frightening to then say, yes, we're now ready when the Australian story came up, which you talk about here, to say, yes, we can do this. Because one, you're equipped with the knowledge of how media works, but two, you're also equipped with the knowledge of how media really works and how frightening that can be to put yourself and, and your children in that space. How yeah. was it juggling that?
2: Um, well, we just weren't prepared to do that when we went through court for stage two for Georgie in 2015 Georgie asked for our lawyers to to waive the anonymity yes and that's so it was Georgie's
1: you were bursting to get your voice out there to say Mm. listen to me yeah yeah
2: so it wasn't our decision in the end we supported her decision but prior to that the four corners of course because our case was anonymized re jamie was anonymized yeah. we we weren't allowed to show our faces and it was talked about before it was a really big decision to do that show really big we knew that there was the potential even with georgie and i being disguised yeah. that we would be recognized and it turned out that that happened at school but yeah. um w- when we talked about doing the four corners thing um, Janine Cohen was the reporter on that and we said we don't want you know to be shadows yeah we're not ashamed yeah. we just can't identify ourselves so they came up with the prosthetic bits to the faces where you know <laughs> I must say Can you I look did like a no, great no, Patty, Patty yes. Newton impression <laughs> <laughs> with that I think I I gave good Patty Newton face and um and I'm not sure who you came as Georgie but By the end of the day, um, our little bits of prosthesis were coming off. Oh my goodness. I had to shove Georgie's nose back on. You did. (laughs) Because we went down to the beach.
0: They always, everyone always wants to do filming down at the beach, which is always a bad idea because it's always windy and cold and everything. But the wind from the beach and the sand was actually, yeah, but it was actually like blowing our prosthetics off. It actually wasn't good and I had a wig on as well. It was just, Mm.
1: oh, yeah. And leading to this, I mean, Georgie's going to be on Neighbours. I grew up with Neighbours. I, You know, we all grew up with Neighbours. This is a really big deal because I know for myself, representation of anyone in the LGBT community, we're still getting there. And especially when it comes to authentic casting and authentic representation. I know my parents had a really hard time with me coming out. I'm 42. I came out at 16 because the world told them a story yeah. and that was the world that was on television for mm-hmm. them and it was something to be afraid of and to be worried about yeah and even i didn't even have the language for myself because i couldn't see myself this was before the internet remember yeah. those good old days <laughs> yeah oh, <Lord>. um <laughs> representation is huge you know we've seen evie Macdonald on that AAVC series mm, wonderful brilliant mm. Neighbours is a whole other ball game. It's taking a, a series to the UK and an Australian audience. Yeah. When they came to you with this, what did you kind of go, what was the first thought? In well, your I
0: actually came to them. Oh, fabulous. I yeah, I, I pitched it to them. So pretty much I thought, because both my parents have been on Neighbours before, um, I thought it would be just brilliant to have a trans character on the show. I emailed the executive producer with an idea for a character and the storyline yeah. and why it was important that we have trans representation
1: yeah.
0: in shows like Neighbours. And I got a reply two hours later <laughs> um, from, uh, from Jason Herbison, who's yeah. a lovely person, uh, and said, this is brilliant. So I I went in and I auditioned for just a different character just so they could see if I, I could Harry act. Did Harry
1: offer to write the scene? <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine yeah. Harry. Let me write this.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's got a very he's got a very wacky, interesting Sensitive. writing style. But yeah. <laughs> part of me thinks that that would be perfect for Nautilus because <laughs> they have some very wacky things on yeah. the show too. Um, and then. Uh, and this was when I was in year 12 uh, and then uh, a few months later they came back and said, are you still interested? And I was like, yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And so then they brought me in to speak with the writers and mum came as well um, and we had a great conversation with the writers um, about about how how we could have this character come in and, and what the storyline would look like um, and because really we wanted to make it as authentic as possible mm. but also as In respectful opera, as I just, yeah um, as well. I mean yeah. it needs to be dramatic of course. Uh, yeah <laughs> absolutely but um I think I, I think we've been able to strike the right balance between being you know dramatic and there being drama and confrontation but also it being really real yeah. and authentic and respectful and positive as well um um, so it's just been a really great experience yeah. um, and I was actually, I mean, I, I wouldn't have approached them if I didn't think we'd a- be able to make it work, but I was actually blown away by how awesome they were, how awesome the writers were, how awesome the cast and crew yeah. were. They're so excited about this story and this character, um, so it's its just been amazing.
1: And. Rebecca, I mean, that's the thing. You've been on Neighbours before. Mm. You know how the story room works. So it's a gift that you can take that knowledge in. I mean, you've seen it in the old style. How? What was your experience from what you had probably seen as a, as an actor going in to what you saw with Georgie?
2: Right. Well, you know, I'm a chick. We, we, we don't, <laughs> we don't get that much that of the limelight really <laughs> either, you know. And um, I've seen over recent years, I think the industry understanding that um, women um, watch a lot of content mm-hmm. and we want that content um, to reflect our own lives. Um, I'm, I've also followed Gina Davis for a long yes. time and yeah. um, the work that she's doing in the States and um, really, really admire her and Georgie and I talk a lot about um, representation in the media. I. And going back to the question you had before yeah. about Greg and I having had experience yeah. with, with media and so on beforehand, um, I, I think w- we hadn't had so much experience with media as in journalists and all of that sort of stuff um, before um, Georgie came out in a different yeah. landscape completely. But what we were and what we are is storytellers. yes. And we understand the power of story. I'm not a natural advocate. I'm not, you know, I'm not good at writing policy or any of those things. I'm a storyteller. And so I do what I can in that way to try and um, bring people along. And I think what I have realised through my advocacy and through seeing how the media has has dealt with or not dealt with very well the, the issue of trans people in general yes. and trans children is that facts don't matter. We've seen that time and time yep. again. Of course, facts do matter, but in terms of changing people's hearts and minds, they are less concerned with that than making a human connection. Correct. So yep. what I really wanted my book to do and why we absolutely supported Georgie in reaching out to neighbours is that when you tell stories, you travel a very long distance in a very short space of time, Mm -hmm. heart to heart and mind to mind. I believe strongly in the power of story. I think it is a real spiritual connection between two people who have prior experience with one another at all. And, yeah, so that was another powerful motivation in in writing the book.
1: And it's and it's huge. And, and for me, it comes down to the storytelling is see, the representation as well, the seeing ourselves but hearing our stories. And how do you bring people on board that don't think they would want to hear this story? And that's the thing. It's kind of that breaking through mm. to people who have already got a, a wall and a prejudice. And this is where this is so powerful. And because – and I'm glad – George, I'm sure you'd be great at writing this, but I'm actually glad that this is coming from a parent, that this is is a story that talks to parents. Without being offensive, a a, a straight, cisgendered mum has privilege, has held privilege in the past. And here you are to say, how dare you discriminate my child and I won't stand for it. And that is powerful because another parent will pick this up and go, I could be this mother. What is the difference between me and Rebecca? To put somebody else in your shoes. I mean, they're, they're big shoes to fill. I mean, you you have... I, I kept wondering, who was your advocate in this? Jane sounds great. Everyone needs a Jane. <laughs> Jane sounds fabulous. Yes. What would you say to another parent now, knowing what you have gone through in these 20 years, to help them take care of themselves? Oh,
2: you know, I don't think I'm the best person to answer that because I think there have been a lot of times when I haven't taken the best care of myself. I guess one of the things, though, that I've learned, and, you know, it's through trial and error, is is don't give up, rest. Because there have been a few times when I've really wanted to throw in the towel and thought I don't, I can't find another reason... To keep going with this, not not um, with my life, but with with the the hard work yeah. ahead of us yeah. so that's that's what I would say. Yeah. rest but don't give up Can and you understand? understand your lim- <laughs> <laughs> understand your limitations. I yeah. do actually I am better at it, but I must admit that I have felt during this experience my my fingertips have reached the outer edges yeah. of my endurance. I felt the edge that I was going to tumble off if I wasn't yeah. careful. And so I don't want to get to that edge again and I think I won't. All I can say is that I've just tried my best. I've tried to be aware of, of myself and I, and I am aware of that, that privilege that you talked about. It fuels my sense
1: of responsibility. It's Um, a shortcut though. It's a a shortcut of language that mm. helps us navigate a world that for some people is so foreign, Mm. similar to that legal world. Mm. For people that have never been amongst a legal world, it is a frightening space. Mm. And you talked about how you had to stop before you could write that. That was a difficult part and you had to put it down when you got to that part. I couldn't stop turning the pages, and I had my partner going, "Are oh, you coming to bed?" And I'm like, "Not yet. Are you <laughs> just go to bed?" And I'll join because I couldn't stop reading it. One because I, I knew the ending, but I also wanted to get to the end of it to exhale. That's mm. how it felt. It does take you to the edge of the seat, knowing the outcome. I, I needed to exhale, and I couldn't stop reading. It is. Some people will never now, thankfully, not have to experience that journey and what your family has gone through in order to make that pathway easier for others is absolutely huge. And I think it's it's critical that you included it in the book because we need to understand our history and that is now part of our history. That's exactly right. Um, it's and also, we're thankful um, for you all carrying that. All of you have carried that burden mm. um, for our history. Mm. Sorry, sorry.
2: Becca. No, not, not at all. Um, I also wanted to say on... on the history aspect of it, that's another reason why I wrote the book because I wanted to preserve that history. Yeah. People forget very quickly what what yes. went before. And um, Ree Kelvin, which was the case that, that removed Stage 2 from the courts, um, happened two years ago, yeah. less than two years ago. And there are people turning up to services around the country who don't even know that that was an issue. Yeah. And that's fine. That's good. That's I don't right. want to stress anybody there's, there's out a few with, with, the, still, yeah, yeah, with, with that possibility. But it just shows how quickly yeah. that can sort of, we can all move on. Yeah. And I think what happened during that time, it happened right in the middle of the marriage equality oh, debate. Yes. And I think there are some people who were really frightened that it was happening right in the middle of the marriage equality debate. Yeah. But we pressed on anyway. It, it it turned out that, you know, it was out of everybody's hands because it was a, a judge who said who who asked for the case stated and pretty much saying, Are we really still gonna keep doing this mm. to these kids? Mm. Um so the question needed to be answered. I wanted that history to be to be written because it was very that that achievement was very much uh, overwhelmed by the the huge marriage equality and debate.
1: And the vitriol that took over, unfortunately, in that debate, um, transgender-diverse kids and rainbow families were thrown under the bus. Mm. We all felt it during yeah. that time. Some important things do get lost mm. when all mm. that is going on. Mm. With the history thing as well, it's also remembering, George, you were the third kid to be referred to yeah. the Royal Children's Hospital. I mean, we kind of... Now know of these waiting lists. We now, you know, Michelle Telfer and the amazing work that Michelle does. What a champion! Can I just say, yeah,
2: yes, we love Michelle. We love Michelle Telfer.
1: Yes, we've had Michelle's brilliant, just absolutely brilliant. That was a time where is you go to your GP for a referral. I'll let you tell the story. Uh, yeah, back in 2007,
2: Georgie is as old as the year, so she was seven. Yeah. Uh, we we had found a psych to see Georgie, Doc Paul, and we needed a, a GP referral to to go and see him. And so we went along. Georgie came with me. This GP was, you know, a pretty a worldly <laughs> chap, and so we start. I started saying what was going on and that we'd found this psych and we needed a a referral. And he, having been friendly and welcoming at the beginning, just became silent mm-hmm. and didn't say another word. And it became quite awkward. So I asked Georgie to go and wait for me out in the in the waiting room because I, f- I felt as though perhaps there was a confrontation coming yeah. or he was gonna say something to me. He didn't say anything. He filled out a a referral and put it in an envelope and pushed it across the desk towards me. Mm. Still nothing. And I thought for a moment, should I say something? Should I take him on? Should I what should I do? And I just decided I couldn't be bothered. And I took the referral and we never went back to him again. Yeah. We know there are GPs that won't
1: give those referrals. Oh, definitely. I've heard it many times from
2: families where they've had to go, you know, to several different GPs, rehash their story again
1: at a very stressful time. It's terrible. sort of reiterates that you need to be questioning those that you think have authority and that comes with you know we're told to trust our doctors we're told to trust our lawyers we're told to trust our teachers and schools and sometimes they're not always giving the advice that is correct mm. and it comes down to the message that this book screams to me is you must trust your instincts when it comes to your child you know your child better mm than anyone and you are the best advocate for your child. Mm. That is the message I've definitely taken from this book and it's a message that is so important for people to read, especially parents, because we don't get that. We don't get told that. Um, we get told everything we could possibly do wrong for mm. our kids but mm. we're not shown a map of how to to do that and that it is difficult. It's not easy and yeah. we're going to get stuff wrong.
2: It is and but I think um,
1: people people get
2: strung up on and i talk about the word normal in the book and that it's that it's a word i've come to despise despite the fact that normal is meant to be a comfort to people i'm not that keen on it because it's often used as as a blunt instrument Mm -hmm. of judgment Mm. I'm i'm not that into it like i I like difference (laughs) and my my family are a bit quirky that's how I like it. That's where I fit, and my so whole life has
1: been that way. Normal to me, reading this, but well, there's nothing. <laughs> you sound like my kind of people <laughs> reading, reading this story. Yeah. But yes, we're made to feel the other. Yeah, we yes. are.
2: We're made to feel the other, and and I suppose in lots of ways, that my life before kids had possibly primed me yeah. for being the parent I grew to be because firstly I didn't have that good a relationship with authority I'd always questioned it a bit I'd always gone no no you're not convincing me (laughs) that I should that I should follow you yeah it's it's not that I didn't you know try and do the right thing or anything but I just wasn't fully convinced that people had their shit together I think that what stood me in good stead I think being an actor stood me in good stead Mm. because you're you're really on the margins a little bit then. You're, you're poor. I mean, oh, it's so poor. <laughs> yes. uh, rice and Hence, broccoli for dinner many nights. And
1: that's why a court case is
2: frightening. Mm. And I
1: love that you used your skills to turn it into theatre mm. in order to cope yeah. in that scenario. Yeah. So you've used those skills to kind to, of make it a safe environment. Yeah, to protect to, myself.
2: Yeah. Um, because we, we were powerless. We had no control. But also it was incredibly Dickensian. I mean the whole thing was outrageously mm. dickensian and at the middle of it was this little kid who had no voice that is i mean if dickens was alive today <laughs> he would have he would have written these stories and he'd be donating to lgbt yeah. organizations yeah. left right and center you'd hope
1: even though he was a philandering old bastard <laughs> <laughs> Georgie, you finally got through it. You got through the yeah. the chapter and you got through the book. What was one thing that surprised you in reading this story? Was there anything that jumped out at you? There were that many. You'd forgotten or?
0: Yeah, well there were a lot of things that I'd forgotten from yeah. my early childhood. I suppose you know memories from me at kindergarten, or when I was really young, yeah. and how I would start to express myself. I suppose I'd forgotten about a lot of those instances because it was so long ago. I was really just blown away by Mum's writing. Mm. Like, she's very good, really. And I mean, good. this is her first book. I know. I'm a it's... bit jealous as a writer myself. Going, <laughs> what? It was. Yeah. No, I really, really loved reading the book. It was difficult. Yeah. It was very difficult. Of Bit triggering, but I'm just so proud of
1: her. Uh, this is radio, but I can see the look between you both, and it's <laughs> it's, it's just gorgeous. And it is pride, and it, you're tearing up, Rebecca. Mm. I can see your your eyes there. Your ears are under. The <laughs> um, <laughs> but it is that so emotional. She's weeping from her ears. She, <laughs> but I look at this. I mean, I'm a parent mm. of a of a child, and I've just gone over a week of sickness. And when you hold this child, you just think. I will do anything to protect this child. Mm. I will do anything to make this child safe and mm. secure and reach their full potential. It's mm. pretty. It's mm. a basic it instinct. Is. And a lot of that that stops them is the world outside and how do you get a world to catch up mm. when sometimes it can't? Mm. But I think I'll be very lucky if my child will look at me the way Georgie looks at you and talking about that pride. That is pretty... That will be a wonderful success. Mm. So that's something I hopefully can look forward to myself. So mm. well done there, Mum. Thank you. One part that I found really hard to read where there was a scene at the swimming pool in primary school and it's what you could hear. And I don't want to talk about it too much. We're not going to go into detail because people need to read the book. Mm. But that moment as a parent to be standing there, to be hearing that, how does one recover? How does one not go postal and lose their mind. I th- I think I'm st-
2: I think I'm still getting over it yeah. in in some ways. I think what came after and my determination to advocate for Georgie came out of a tremendous guilt that in that moment I had failed her. Uh, I think I'm still probably not f- forgiving myself for for moment i try but but i think i i'm still mm. i'm still reacting to that to that moment mm. of of never ever ever wanting georgie to experience another moment of
1: of humiliation it's very vulnerable of you to include that in the story it's a really hard moment mm. as a parent to read mm. because i'm screaming with you when I'm reading it and I'm, my heart is breaking. And it, if there was a soundtrack, it would be a scream. It would mm-hmm. be a mother's scream. It's a hard scene to read. Georgia would have been hard for you to relive that because it yeah. has it so fresh and it's written so well. But it's these vulnerabilities in this book. When I talked about humanising, you don't give us all the polish mm. and the happy endings and I thank you for that because if we read that we can't relate to it if we read that we can't fear along with you and celebrate the wins when we get it we need those highs and those lows and you take us on that story journey so thank you it's it was hard to read but it was rewarding so thank you for being brave to write that thanks with this book now what are you hoping I mean I know what I felt reading as a Mm. parent what do you hope this will do for other people
2: I'm, I'm actually hoping, first and foremost, to, to reach other parents and parents who, who don't feel confident. But I'm also hoping to reach those people who are curious. They might already have attitudes about me and my parenting or our family story or parents like me or have a general interest in the subject itself and be mm-hmm. teetering on judgment. Uh, I certainly haven't written it for Lyle Shelton or or any of <laughs> no, he, any of those dudes. I mean married, no. no, it's not I don't think he does it's really. not my role to convince people of of Georgie's legitimacy or our choices as parents. And I and I think one of the other things is that we've reached a point in our lives where we don't have to explain a single thing to a single person. Georgie's existence is self-evident and she doesn't need to explain to another living soul who she is or why she is Mm. we hope that that telling this story will bring a softness I hope into people's hearts a gentleness and a kindness I'm not a warrior mama I'm not a I'm
1: not a bear or anything like that. I think I'm one of those Greek helicopter ones. Just <laughs> <laughs> a right now.
2: You're a helicopter. <laughs> I think so. There are bears, you know. <laughs> but if, if I had a spirit animal, I think I'd be an elephant. I yeah. really love elephants. Yeah. And one of the things I love about elephants is that they're community-minded creatures and they um, look after one another and they shepherd one another through difficult times they tell each other where safety is and they warn each other about danger. They look after one another's young.
1: They get together
2: to play in the mud. And that's that's that my sounds, kind of family.
1: And that sounds like the family you have and yeah. the family you've created through Transcend for others. Yep. How's yeah. Transcend looking at the future at the moment?
2: Well, I'm trying to uh, find ways to make sure it can keep going beyond my involvement although I'll always be involved but I do also understand that you know I've, I'll have i always be Georgie and Harry's parents but some of the things that families are going to be facing in the future are different yeah. to the things that I've yeah. faced and my experiences might not be so relevant. So I'm wanting to, you know, be there as a support for other parents to come through and take the reins a bit.
1: Because every, every person's journey is going to be unique. That's exactly right. Yeah.
2: And I'm really excited that there are some, some parents in Transcend who are really wanting to take it on its next little journey but we'll always be there puddling yeah, along and doing what this we can and the, the third baby yeah this yeah. is your third child yeah yeah it's been a real privilege talking to families and often being the first mm. person that a parent reaches out to I never lose sight of the fact that they're putting trust in an absolute stranger to tell them this really vulnerable part of their life story yeah. but it's time for others to to share that too because they've got a, a lot to offer we're just slowly working towards making it stronger and better and adapting for the times and yeah. Georgie what are your hopes I hope
0: with this book uh, all parents or well you'd hope all parents want want to protect their child and want have their best interests at heart but a lot of parents I think don't know what to do with that and and their instinct is to Stop their child from being who they are to protect them. Yeah, apparently, um, it comes or, out of love, and
1: is, and sometimes it does. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Or they're confused at what yeah. uh, what to do. They don't know where to go. I hope this book helps them get a better idea of where to channel that to drive to protect their child, and that is to re- to support them. I find it so heartbreaking. So many trans young people don't have supportive yes. parents. Yes. And I know I come from a place of privilege because I have a supportive mum and dad. So I hope this book can actually help parents listen to their child because, yeah, yeah, you know, know, the parents know their children and who they are. But more than anything, we know who we are and we need our parents to listen to us. And the sad truth is a lot of parents don't and they actually fail in protecting their child.
1: So I hope this book can change that. Yeah, so do I. I I can't even fathom that. Mm. And now I see it through a new lens as a parent and I Mm. just think, how? But, you know, my mother didn't cope with me Mm. coming out as, you know, a lesbian at 16. I was rushed to a doctor to be fixed. Mm. You know, I had holy water thrown at me. Now she's the best Greek grandmother. I could, like that. Took time, and that mm. took a converse, many conversations, and that took mm. years of work to for her to realize I'm still the child that she loves. Yeah,
0: and what a burden yeah. that is for children, and I for had children go, at no, no, seven, yes, eight. Yes, you know, yeah. not even a teenager yet, having to try and get your parents to oh, accept you. Yeah, no. well, what a
1: horrible burden yes. that is, and most. Kids can't carry that burden and they no. shut down and they go quiet yeah. and they're not their true selves and what that – and hopefully they can keep going on until they can find their voice to get louder. Yeah. That frightens me. And like yeah. you, I really hope this inspires some people that need to be re-inspired about what true love actually means. Mm and that is doing everything to make their kids flourish mm. in the way that yourself and Harry are flourishing. Yeah. Not kids anymore. I can't even say no, yeah. that. <laughs> <Yeah>, 19. <laughs> 19. Oh my. Neighbours, we, you know, sometimes it's fun to make fun of neighbours because it is neighbours, but Neighbours is so important. Yeah. And the fact they're that leading are, the way. Yeah, neighbours huge.
0: is actually leading the way in terms of the Massage. Australian TV yes. industry. Yes. It it really is leading the way. It's one of the few shows that are committed to telling real stories. Most shows don't go there because, you know, they're concerned about viewers, they're Mm -hmm. concerned about backlash, all of that. Neighbours is actually committed to representing Australian people and they're serious about it. Um, You know, they're joked about a lot and I can understand that, but actually they in many ways they are more serious about storytelling than the majority
1: of tv shows yeah. and on I australian think tv take that for granted cuz it's yeah. so... but it's such an important... i don't think people realize the hard work that actually goes no, into i don't think oh my they do i know and some of the writers say, yes i know yeah. the hard work that's yeah. in the background of that. and i don't think they
2: realize the the impact that those yeah. storylines have on for, where, on a cohort mm. of people Prime time. Yeah. yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. And and it does. It is very effective yeah. in reaching people. We call you know everyday Australians and in the UK as well. It yes. has a massive following in the UK. Yes. And they and the UK, and the UK need the need yes. to they they need this character and yes. this story.
1: So, well so I'm done. so proud. Well to done. Be you part pitching. Thank you. And getting this. And I'm looking forward to tuning in and seeing this episode. Yeah. You know, just like some parents. Might need to read this book. Some kids need to see themselves on screen. Mm. Yeah, because it's still really hard to get really positive representation mm. um, of of LGBTQI characters. Mm. But even once with a happy ending, like really, yeah. do we all need to have like? Anyway, I won't yeah. talk about well, some tropes you know. that are still existing <laughs> <Yeah>. in <laughs> we, film and cinema. When we and were TV. talking to neighbours, we talked about
2: those tropes. Yeah. I think they've done a good job at. Um, bypassing a lot of
1: them actually (laughs) well I will let you get your Sunday back I'd like to thank you both so much for for coming and sharing yourselves here in the studio but also for sharing so much of yourselves in this book this is it's not an easy read because it is vulnerable and that's what humanizes it and I think it'd be hard for anyone who might have some preconceived ideas of I don't understand those views but if they did I'd find them hard to not be changed at the end of this read if they allow themselves an honest read of this book. So I'm very thankful that you have written it. It is, a, it is an important resource for all parents to read. Where can people pick this up? I know Booktopia are selling it. Yes, you can get it at Booktopia, Amazon.
2: You can go onto the Penguin site. Yeah. It's in all good bookstores. I think it'll be in Big W. Oh. It's it's um We're going big. I, I, I'm, we're going hard. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing
1: Georgie your face on shelves all across Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, nice picture. Walter. It's a beautiful thank you. cover, isn't it? <laughs> Very, <laughs> gorgeous cover. Mm. Very gorgeous cover. Thank you both again. Good luck with the book. Good luck with neighbours. Thank you. I look forward to seeing what's next. It's hard to thank you for your advocacy because you were going to do it anyway for your child. But thank you. It's making so many the lives of so many young people out there a whole lot easier. Oh, Gina, thank you and thanks for having us. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast
0: brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation,
1: Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au.